Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. Let not your hearts be troubled. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, even that bumper video as it reads the scripture about let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And come unto me, those that are weary and heavy laden. Those, those are opportunities. Guys, I just want to encourage you again. Every aspect of these services are opportunities for God to speak to our hearts and to lean in. You know, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking and been in a series called Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. And, you know, you see all the craziness and chaos and things that are going on in around our world and, 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 you know, prices going up on things, you know, all of these things. And sometimes it's very easy for that fear, that anxiety to begin to, to settle into our heart. And, and we've got to realize that God put a guard uh, and that, that we have a guard over our heart and we don't have to allow that to stay in our life. We talked about that for the first week that Jesus, when he said, believe in God, believe also in me, he literally is saying, have faith in God and have faith in me. And we talked about the type of faith that pleases God and it's the faith that believes that God is, not he was. That, that if God healed before, he can heal again. If God provided before, he could do it. If God worked miracles before, he can do it again. And, and that, that, that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And then last week we talked about how we can trust God in the area area of our life with our time, that we don't have to be stressed out by life and the demands of life, but if we will take the time to honor God with the Sabbath, then he will truly give us rest and we can have peace in our hearts and we don't have to be troubled. Today, I think... The, the thing that we're going to talk about today is probably one of the, and I know it's one of the biggest things that causes is issues in marriages. It's one of the biggest things that causes anxiety and things. We're going to talk about our finances and what the Bible says about our finances, about how we can live a life where we don't have stress and anxiety when it comes to our finances. How many of you have ever had worry or fear in the area of your finances before? You didn't know how you were going to pay the next bill. You didn't know what was, how things were going to be done. You didn't know how, it it just seems like things didn't add up and you didn't know how you were going to be able to make it. You were fearful of losing a home, a car, a, a job, whatever it may be. 
But there are things that the Bible says uh, that we can do that will help secure our finances, to help us be able to rest assured that God is on the throne and that God is able to take care of of every area, no matter how high gas prices go, no matter how high, uh, you know, restaurants raise the price of food, you know, all of those things, we still can have peace because God is our source, not our job, not... uh, any other thing, but God cares about us enough to move in our area, in the area of finances. Now, because of a lot of, of, of people who have taught uh, gospels of, about prosperity gospel, where God wants you all to be rich and own your own plane and, and all of that, because you've seen people who have misused finances and stuff, a lot of times the minute that somebody begins to talk about finances, we cut it off. Because it's just like, oh no, pastor just wants my money again. Here we go. He, you know, he, he must need a new vehicle or something because he's, he's coming after my money now so that I can get some things. But like I told you before, anytime I spoke about finances and stuff, I do not work on commission. If the tithe goes up, my check doesn't go up. My salary is set. It's what it is. It's not going up anytime. Because of an increase here. This is not about me and the church needs money and everything. Because even a lot of times, there, there's been people who got up and preached, if you don't tithe, if you don't give money, if you don't give resources, we're not going to be able to pay our bills. And, and we're not going to be able to... What, what does that tell you? That means that God isn't even able to provide for his own house. So why would I want to give my money? If God can't provide for his church, why would he provide for me? I mean, it, it's the opposite of faith. And so I promise you, I'm not going to give you a pity party about the bills aren't going to be paid because all of our bills are paid. We watch how God supernaturally provides. And everything that I'm going to tell you today are principles that I have applied in my life that whether I'm making $5 an hour or no money or been out of work or or $20 an hour, whatever it is, it never has mattered my paycheck size because it's not about my paycheck, it's about my God. And his love for me and his desire to provide for me. The Bible gives promises about his provision. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 it says, My God will. Say he will. That means it doesn't say he might. It doesn't say he'll think about it. It doesn't say he'll pray about it. If he has enough money or resources he'll do it. It says my God will supply every one of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be here for a little bit. We're going to go back and forth in between two passages. We're going to be in Matthew 6 and Malachi 3. And we're going to talk about how those things go together in the teaching of Jesus and and the teachings and prophecies that were there in Malachi. And we're going to start Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You remember when we talked about that whole let not your heart be troubled. We defined the word trouble and one of the words there for trouble was anxiety. Don't let anxiety enter into your heart. So literally you could almost change that, that the beginning part of this scripture and, and say let not your heart be troubled about your life. 
Let not your heart be troubled about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or your body and what you're going to put on it. It is not life more than just food. It is not the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or, uh, nor gather in the barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. In other words, birds are lazy. They just eat for today and that's it. They ain't thinking about the future. They don't have no 401ks. They don't have no retirement benefit plans, all that stuff like that. And yet God takes care of the sparrows. Are you not more valuable than them? Does he not care more about you than than the birds? Listen, Jesus didn't come to die on a cross for the birds. <laughs> God wasn't sending his son to die on a cross so that the birds could be saved. He sent his son to die on a cross because he loved you so much that he wanted to be in relationship with you. He loves you way more than the birds. He values you way more than the birds. And so you can trust him. But this doesn't just apply in the area of your finances. You can trust God in everything. That if you walk out what his word says to do, you can trust God that if you honor God in your marriage, he'll take care of it. You can trust God like we talked about. If you honor God with your time and you have a Sabbath and you rest, that you can trust God to redeem your time and to work in, your, in, in the area of your time. You can trust God in every area of your life when you truly understand how much God loves us. You know, we sing a song that says, if he cares for the sparrow, how much more does he love you? And I, my, my daughter, she, uh, the first time we sang that song, she went home and she was singing that song all the time. And, and you could just hear her down in a room singing, how much more does he love you? And, you know, over and over again. And the next day she goes to school and one of her friends in her class, she's in kindergarten class, and one of her friends had lost uh, their, her father. And she just looks at her and begins to sing that song. But how much more? Does he love you? How much more does your heavenly father? Look, I know there's a gap right now. You lost your earthly father, but you didn't lose your heavenly father, and he loves you. Like this goes in every area of our life that God loves us. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to have trouble when it comes to our livelihood and what we're going to eat and possessions and things that we need in our life. There's so many verses that talks about ways that we can see financial blessing and things in our life and financial promises, our, our needs being met. Proverbs is full of them. I'm going to read a few of them to you. Proverbs 11 verse 25, it says that the generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. So there's something here, there's, there's, there's something that opens up the windows, it gets God's attention that, that to, to see blessing in your life and provision in your life. And the thing is generosity, that, that God looks at generosity and, and people who are willing to give and he wants to be able to bless other people and, and look, I mean, throughout the, the Proverbs it says, the generous man will prosper, he who waters will be watered himself. Proverbs 19 verse 17, whoever is kind to the poor, lends to the Lord but he, and he will reward them for what he does. This, does this goes exactly along with what Jesus taught about in Matthew chapter 24 
Or 25, when he said that I was naked and you gave me uh, clothes. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and, and you, you gave me something to drink. And I said, when did we do this, Lord? And he said, when you did it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Solomon is saying the exact same thing. When you lend to the poor, when you meet the needs of the poor, when you provide for the poor, God sees it not like you're providing for the poor, but you've provided for him. Like you've done it to him. Think about this. Even with our kids, if somebody goes above and beyond and blesses one of our children, as a parent, don't we want to do something back for that person in response to the blessing that they've done to a child? Why? Because when they bless our child, it blesses us. And we've got to realize that people around us are God's children. He loves them. He sees their needs. And a lot of times, God wants to bless them through us. And when we're willing to do it, then it blesses the heart of God. And it says that he'll reward them for the things that they've done. In Proverbs 22, verse 9, it says the generous himself will be blessed. Themselves will be blessed. For they share their food with the poor. Proverbs 28, verse 27. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes will receive many curses. Why do we put food trucks out into the community and things? These verses. We want to see God's house blessed. We want to see people blessed. And so we, go, we take God at his word. That if you will feed the poor, I will take care of you. And so we go and we give and we try to meet the needs of the community. And in the meantime, there are people who... we encounter that are lost or that are broken that are hurting that we're able to minister to and they find something far greater than a hot dog or a hamburger they find Jesus and they find salvation and they find peace in their heart all because we were willing to give and to meet the needs of the poor God loves it when his kids are generous and when his kids are generous you see the blessing, and, and Paul wrote about it to the church in Corinth. He's honoring them for their, uh, the gift that they give, and, and he talks to them a little bit more about it in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says, the point is this, that whoever sows sparingly is also going to reap sparingly. If you're stingy, you ain't going to get nothing. But he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It says, each one must go and give as they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't do it reluctant. They shouldn't do it under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. That's one thing about our church that may be a little bit different. If you've been at our church for a little bit of time, you notice that we don't always talk about, you know, hey, make sure that you pay your tithes, make sure that you give your offering and everything. We don't mention it a whole lot. Some of you may not even know how I give to the church. There's been many times I'll go out after service and somebody's like, I have some tithe. I'm like, like, how do I give it? Nobody passed a bucket in front of me. Nobody gave me an offering plate or anything. How do I even give to this? We tell them there's black boxes right here in the back. You can give or you can give online. You can give the thing. Why do we not sit there and just like, hey, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give. Here's the plate to remind you to give. Because sometimes if you see the person next to you give, then you feel obligated or under compulsion that I got to give or they're going to think I'm stingy. Like the past three people in this row have put something in. If I just pass the bucket, I'm going to look stingy. So now I feel obligated to pull out something and put in the offering. And God doesn't want us to be put on a spot where we feel obligated to have to give anything. He wants people to plan what they're going to give. 
That's why when we do a miracle offering, we don't take out special offerings for disaster relief and everything. Why? But not, it's not because we don't give. We've given to, to everything that's going on in Ukraine through two big missions organizations and partnered with them. And, and you guys have been represented there as soon as everything started breaking out. But, but we didn't have to take up a special offering or anything because as a church, we take some of the, the money that comes in, we take 10% of everything that comes in and we put it into a category that is only for missions and things like that to be able to meet those needs. And so we don't even have to take up special offerings where it's like, hey, everything is bad in this place and you've got to give or they're not going to have food. Why? Because then that pulls at your heartstrings versus just you deciding what you're going to give in your own time and what you want to do. And so we, give, we take up one special offering a year and a miracle offering. And I tell you six weeks out or so, hey, miracle offering is this week. Pray about what God wants you to give and give that. And that's about the extent of what we talk about. Why? Because God doesn't want us to feel obligated to give. He doesn't want you to give. He doesn't want you to give out a compulsion. I don't come in on Miracle Offering Day and preach some message and put up kids of hungry orphan, uh, pictures of hungry orphans and kids and things like that to give you give. Because then that would be compulsion. That would be manipulation. And God is not a manipulator. God wants people to decide that they're going to give. And when he sees people that are willing to give, he's willing to give right back to them more. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And then he goes on and explains why he does that a little bit more in verse 10. It says, he gives seed to the sower. Now, if you have your Bible, it's not underlined. I underline that to make a point. He doesn't just give seed to everybody. He gives seed to the people who will be faithful to sow the seed. Why? Because God is a God who is intentional with his resources. God is a God of harvest. God is a God who loves people so much that he's going to be faithful to give and provide and do everything he needs for people who are being faithful in giving and providing and doing everything that they can to meet the needs of other people. He says he'll supply seed to the sower and bread uh, uh, for food. He will supply and he will multiply your seed through your sowing and increase your, your harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way. Say every way. What does that mean? This isn't just about finances. If you sow your time when you need somebody's time, they will give it to you. If you sow mercy when you need mercy, it will be given to you. If you sow grace and forgiveness when you need grace and forgiveness, it will be given to you. This works in every area of your life. If you will be a sower, he'll multiply the seed. You'll be enriched in every area of your life, not just your finances. But he didn't stop there. There's another highlighted passage. He tells why he wants to enrich us. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way. But Pastor Brandon, I volunteer my time. That's one way to be generous. Pastor Brandon, I write a check and I give to people. That's one way to be generous. But if God enriches us in every way, Every way that he enriched us, he wants us to then enrich the lives of others by being generous in every way. And it says when we do this, it will produce thanksgiving to God. It's very much like the Matthew chapter 5 verse that we talk about all the time. It's your light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot easily be hidden. People will see your good works, but what? Glorify God. When God's people 
are selfless and generous, the world takes notice of it. It is a shame that the world many times are more generous than the church. That the world sees the needs of people and they create all kinds of foundations and funds to be able to make the needs. The church sees the needs of people and they've made excuses as to why they can't do it. Or why they shouldn't have to do it. Because those people made their bed and they need to lie in it. But neither one of them are God's view on it. God wants you to be prosperous, not just so that you can be rich, but so you can be a blessing in other people's lives. You think about when God was establishing his covenant with man. And he's looking for someone that he's going he's to make that person the father of the nations. He's going to make that person the, the, the group that he's going to bless. And that, that person's descendants are going to be his family and his people. And he found that in, in Abraham, in the, in the Abrahamic covenant. When you look at when God came to Abraham, he called him from his country. He called him from his people. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And I will bless you and your name will be great and you shall be a blessing. I want you to notice something real quick here. The blessing is contained to Abraham at this point. I will make you a nation, okay? Singular, not plural. I will bless you, singular person, not plural imperative. I will make your name great and so you will be a blessing, okay? Everybody sees that. Something changes that changed God's mind on the level of blessing that he was going to do with Abraham. And it came when God asked him for something very dear to his heart. Genesis chapter 22, God comes to him and he says, I want you to take your son, your only son, your son Isaac, the one that you love. Now why did he go through all this? Because if we know our Bible history, Abraham had another son there was an illegitimate son that, that he had had to send away who was Ishmael. God wanted to make sure, I don't want the son that you created your way when you got impatient waiting on my promise. No, 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 no. I want the promised son. I want the one that you named laughter because he brings so much joy into your life. I want that son that you waited 25 years from Genesis chapter 12 when I told you I was going to make you a great nation. And I want you to come and I want you to lay him down on this altar as a sacrifice to me. And then Abraham does it. He goes and prepares a sacrifice, brings, brings his son up, sets him on the, the altar, goes to pull the knife up, and then all of a sudden he sees that there's a lamb, and, and, the, the, and God stopped him from having to, to do that. But then that touched the heart of God so much that God amplified the level of blessing that he was getting ready to do on Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, it's almost word for word the same type of blessing that he promises, but you're going to notice is something a little bit different. Genesis twenty two seventeen. Surely I will bless you and I will multiply your offspring. So now it's not just a blessing upon Abraham. It's a blessing upon his kids that he's getting ready to do. And your offspring will be like the stars of the heaven and the sands of the seashore. It's not just going to be about Isaac. There's going to greatly multiply. It's so much that he even tells him, try to count the stars and see if you can even keep track of, of how big this is going to be. 
Your offspring will possess the gates of the enemy. And in you, your offspring, uh, all, all of them, all of the nations, plural, of the earth will be blessed because you obeyed my voice. Do you see the amplification? Why the amplification? Because God saw that there was nothing more important that to, to Abraham than, his, uh, uh, than God was. Even his son, the promise, the thing he had waited for, the thing that his wife would have killed him if she would have killed him. It would have been a double murder going on here. Because nothing was more important to Abraham, God said, now I see that you have not even withheld your only son. And because you have not only withheld your son, I'm going to pour the same blessing that I intended for you on your son and his sons. And you're not just going to impact a nation. You are going to impact nations. The blessing is not just going to be big enough to, to impact one nation. But nations of the world. In fact, all the nations of the world through you are going to be blessed. What's he telling him? I'm not blessing you just so that you can be blessed. I am blessing you so that you can be a blessing. And too many times, sometimes even people understand this to a degree and they're blessed and they start seeing the blessing and they're blessing people. But then there comes that one thing that's near and dear to their heart that they're not willing to let go of. That dream, that relationship, that possession. And God begins to say, will you give me that? And many times we tell him, no, I'll give you anything but that. And so the level of blessing that we have stays in the singular contract. When God is trying to increase the blessing to where it's not just a blessing that we walk in, but a blessing that our kids and their kids walk in for generations to come. Jesus taught about this. Even, you know, we read about how he watches over the birds and everything. But before he talks about them watching over the, how God watches over the birds, he said this in verse 19, Matthew 6, do not lay up treasures for yourself on this earth because moth and rust destroy and thieves can break in and still. In other words, this, God is not just going to bless you so that you can have things. Don't, don't get that. Listen, your, your generosity cannot be motivated by greed. Greed is not a godly personality or godly characteristic he says if you do that these things can be stolen taken away but instead lay up uh, yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and thieves can't break in and steal it because where your treasure is there your heart will be also if your treasure is only spent on you then your heart is going to be on you and what you need, and you're going to be selfish. And you're never going to be content because a selfish person becomes a greedy person, and greed is a bottomless pit. You'll never be fulfilled. However, if you keep your heart toward the kingdom of God, it's the best retirement plan you've ever had. 
because there's other people that Jesus tells about stories about in scripture. One of them was the man, you remember he had such a huge harvest and the harvest came in so much and he was like, oh my goodness, I'm so blessed. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tear down the barns that I have and I'm gonna build new, bigger barns. What was that? That was somebody who was storing up treasure for themselves. And what was God's response? He said, you fool. Your soul is gonna be required of you this very night. Now who is going to spend all of your treasure? It's going to be gone. Jesus later, after he talked about the birds and stuff, he, in verse 27, he said, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour into the lifespan of your life? Are, are, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither uh, toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if, you, if, if God who clothes the grass of the field that is alive today and throws it into the oven, uh, it, how much more will he not clothe you, O ye of little faith? And so he's challenging them. He had just told them, about storing up treasures in heaven. And as soon as they start, uh, God starts talking about storing up treasures in heaven versus building their own kingdom, they start getting fearful about this. And they start, well, what am I going to eat? What am I, what am I going to wear? How, how am I going to provide? And he goes on and says, therefore, don't be anxious about that what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. Why? Because the Gentiles seek after these things and so your heavenly father knows, and your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. Now this isn't a verse or something to say that if you desire to have food or drink or clothes in your life, then you're being a heathen like the Gentiles. And, and you, 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 you can't have anything nice in your life. You can't be blessed. Well, that goes against everything that God had just told Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. So that you can bless other people. It goes against all the other things that you see in scripture. So that whole, I can't have anything other end of the pendulum. Guess what? That's wrong too. What he is saying is, when he's talking about Gentiles, he's referring to people who don't have covenant with God. And he's saying, the people who don't have covenant with me, they worry about all these things. But however, you need to know, I already know you need them. Like it's an understood thing of, I know you need it. I'm your heavenly father. I'm a good heavenly father. So I'm going to give it to you. Jesus even taught before, if, if you being evil know how to give good things to your kids, how much more does your father in heaven want to bless you with good things in your life? God desires to bless us. God desires. What he doesn't want is he doesn't want us to be anxious about it. That's why he said in verse 25, verse 27, and verse 31, he's addressing the anxiety. Let not your heart be troubled about money. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. I got you. Don't worry about your clothes. I got you. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. I got you. Isn't life more than all of these things? Don't get focused on this. Remember the kingdom. Remember the kingdom. That's what he had just said. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now he's addressing the anxiety. Don't worry about the things. 
Kingdom first. Don't worry about the things. Kingdom first. Understand God loves you and he's going to provide for you. And the way that you protect yourself and you put yourself in position to see those blessings are that when you are blessed with something, you realize that that blessing wasn't all for you to eat. That some of that is seed that you are supposed to give to the sower. That's why he says, I give seed to the sower and I give bread. He's going to give you the things that you need, but only the sower gets the extra seed to begin to sow and multiply things. Some of you may be like, well, Pastor Brandon, I've been generous. I've given, and it still seems like things just keep falling through. Every time I start getting ahead and things start going right, then it just seems like something happens and just takes everything. And like I, I just don't see this blessing because here's the thing. Generosity isn't the end all to seeing blessing in your life. It's just part of it. Haggai talks about this. In Haggai uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, You have sown much, but you harvested little. You, you eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, but there is, they're, uh, they're, they're not warm enough. You earn, but the wages that you earn is like putting it in holes, uh, a purse that has holes in it. Any of you ever felt like your bank account has holes in it? Like you put it in and it's like, where did it go? It just disappeared. Because generosity gets you started on the financial security and blessing. But there's something else that you've got to do to plug up those holes. And it's something that a lot of people, the minute that you say the word, it's become a Christian curse word. You can't preach on it because people will get mad and leave the church if you preach on it. But it's the very thing that would rebuke the enemy... And it would bring you in right standing with God. Because if you don't do it, you're a thief. And some of y'all don't like that. Well, how can I be a thief when I just spend what I've earned? Because we have to understand something. That there is a part of the resources that God has given us. Then Leviticus, he said, that part is mine. And it's the tithe. A tithe is the first tenth of what you earn. God said, that part is mine. And in Malachi, they were bringing God subpar. They were bringing him the cross-eyed little lamb versus the spotless little lamb. <laughs> the one that kept running into the wall and, you know, just stumbling and all this stuff. And he, would you, he said, would you take that to your governor's? Why would you bring that to your God if you wouldn't even take that to your governor? And then he tells them, he asked this question. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you were robbing me. But how have we robbed you? You've robbed me in your tithes and in your offerings. And so because of this, you are cursed with a curse. Because you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now remember who they are prophesying this to. They're prophesying this to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was God's people that, that came through the seed of Abraham, that God had said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your offspring to the degree that not only will you be blessed, but all the nations of the world will be blessed. 
Now again, notice he didn't tell Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can have the nicest, biggest, finest thing, so that you can have the biggest tent around, so that you can have the most camels around, so that you can even have a retirement tent by the beach if you want to. Like, I'm just like, no, no, no. I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. Okay? And here now to this nation, he says, No longer are you walking under a blessing, but you're walking under a curse. Why? Because they begin to neglect the tithe and the offering that God said was his. And he didn't leave them hopeless. He told them, okay, you're under a curse right now. How many of you, you don't want to be cursed by God. You want to be blessed by God, right? And he said this, verse 10, Bring the full tithe. Okay? I underlined some things here because this underlined some things because this is important. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now there's some misunderstanding about what tithe is and things. The tithe is the first tenth of what God has given you. And it says, bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole 10%. Don't shortchange God. Don't give him 9.25%. It's not not like a waiter where you get to choose the percentage of tip and you can be stingy. Or you can be like, just, I'm I'm just asking for a tenth. I'm not even going to be like your government who's going to ask for a third. I'm just asking a tenth into the storehouse. Storehouse is talking about the house of God. That's why I underlined my, so that there would be food in my house. So that you can see this. Because there are some people who tithe to a missionary or who tithe to a TV evangelist or who tithe to a specific thing. But you have to understand something. You don't bring the tithe to a person, you return the tithe to God's house. And when you return the tithe, it's not paying your tithes. It's not like a bill because the tithe, God already owns it. Even though your paycheck came in your name, God is the one who gave you the ability and, the we- and everything to make the wealth. And God said, hey, first 10%, it's mine. You can live on the 90. I'm not going to require anything else. But first 10, it's mine. Bring it into my house. And then he even tells them, test me in this. Test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Notice he didn't say financial blessing. He just said, I'm going to pour out a blessing. I'll tell you something, there's some people who have the finances, but they they don't have any peace. I'd rather have the peace without the finances. I'd rather have a wife that loves me and kids and home and church and community and all those things than be a billionaire and feel like the only people that are around you are because of what they can get from you and all those things. Bring it to me. And I'll open up the windows of heaven. And I'll provide you a blessing. Stop robbing me. Think about the tithe in this. If 
If I loan Robbie my car and Robbie brings me my car back, did Robbie give me a gift? He just returned what was already mine. But if Robbie takes my car and gives it to LG, Robbie did not return to me what was mine. He gave what was mine to LG, and now LG is an accessory to Grand Theft Auto. And when you give what is God's outside of his house, you're not returning it, and it's, it doesn't equal the blessing. So some of you, you've planted your seed in the wrong location. And it's a reallocation and bring it where it needs to be. And then you'll see the windows of heaven. So some of it is just a location where you've thrown your seed. Redirect it and correct it. If you still want to sponsor the missionary or anything, then that's part of your offering. That's where you get to be generous and give above and beyond and give of your offering. But then he goes on and he addresses the issue with the holes in your pocket. He said, if you do this, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. Some of you are fighting the devil over your finances and you need to just tithe and let God fight the devil over your finances. I guarantee he wins. And he says, if you do that, I'll rebuke it to the level of your fruit is not, it, it, it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine and its field will not fail to bear. One, one thing says your vines will not cast its grapes too soon. It'll stay on. So I'm going to, Every area of your life, your finances, your family, your job, all those things, I'm going to take care of it to where you're good. Your job will not end. It will not run out. It's amazing how many times coal mines and stuff get really tight and all this stuff, and people are fearful of their jobs and everything. And, and, I, and I talk to the different people in the church that I know work in a coal mine industry and stuff that are tithers, and they're all like, we're good. We're more blessed than we've been. Our business is going. It's thriving and all that. Why? Because God didn't allow the grapes to cast too soon. He watched over every vine. Tithing is like putting an alarm system around your finances and making sure that the enemy has no access to it. But the tithe is the first. And if you go back to what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, what were the things? The things you need for food, your drink, your clothes, all those things. Just keep, keep first the kingdom of God. Keep throwing it in heaven. All these things will be added unto you. I have learned over time that when the enemy comes in and he begins to try to steal from me, that because I'm a tither, because we give above and beyond in the missions and support different things, that the minute the enemy comes in and tries to steal, and he'll do it, he tries to do it all the time. But I start getting a little bit excited when he does. Because when he does, it means I get new stuff. Because everything that he broke in my house, I'm just like, God, you said, I'll pull it out and read it to you if you need me to. You said you would rebuke the devourer. So I don't even have to fight him. You go get him. And I'm just going to watch how you work it out. And I've watched time and time again how he's done that. I've watched time and time again with the church how he takes care of the church and provides for the church and all that stuff. 
when we started food trucks and stuff, we had no, we didn't have no budget allocated toward this stuff. And they just keep like, hey, let's go here. This is the city. We had this opportunity. We had this opportunity. We had this opportunity. We had this opportunity. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do it. Like, go for it. Well, how are you going to pay for it? Just go for it. It's God's bill. He's got it. And every step of the way, there's been no lack. Why? Because when we sow, there's people who show up at the food trucks like, hey, we appreciate what you're doing. Here's a check. Here's like, I mean, just stuff like that, that people don't even go to the church and stuff. Hey, saw your food trucks, want to be a part of what you're doing. Here's a check. And it just keeps replenishing. And we just keep on serving. Because we know that when we're taking care of the poor and we're being generous, that God will always take care of everything that we need. That's the thing that opens the door for blessing. Malachi 3.12, I'll close with this scripture. It says, when you've brought that in, I rebuke the devourer. And then all the nations will call you blessed. And you will be a land of delight and the Lord of your hosts, as the Lord of hosts. Guys, as a church, I know a lot of times we don't, you guys don't see everything that we do. We've, in Africa, we got two care points that, we're, that we have feeding there. It's about 600 orphans a day that we feed there in between the two care points. And in this year alone in Africa, in Eswatini and in Uganda, there's three churches that we've helped build and put roofs on. We're building a youth center in Honduras. Uh, we're connected with missionaries and stuff in Dominican. And it, we're just, it just keeps opening up more and more opportunities and stuff. When we do these sermons and everything, there's a group of about 20 churches, 25 churches in Eswatini and Uganda and different places that would get these sermons and it feeds these pastors and these pastors go share the word of God. We sow seed into them and they sow it right back into the people that are in their community and expands. Because we have been generous as a church, we are not under the singular thing where we're going to just impact this nation, but we are under the plural thing where all the nations of the world will be blessed because of this. And I believe that there are far more things that we're going to be able to see and do when more people understand this truth and see the fruit of it Say, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled about these things because I know my God has me and he's taking care of me. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.